0: Zakewani, the flying winger.
1: Oh, goodness me! He doesn't need anybody, Steve Zakawani
0: Steve Zakawani was never fun <laughs> to stick up against. was it for Zakawani? none of this
1: possible. It's Steve! It's Steve! <laughs> <laughs> Said it again. This is so weird. Steve Zakowani. Well, what's going on, everyone? Steve zakawani here. It's been a while, but we are back. We're currently... Still in the break for the Gold Cup and Copa America. And right now as we're recording this, the US have just kicked off against Sweden. And they're 1-0 up about seven minutes in. So lots of football on all of our screens to keep us busy. While MLS and especially the Sounders have been on this break. There was that Open Cup game that we probably won't talk about. But we wanted to kind of touch base with you, the listeners, the fans, the lifeblood of the club. And give my... Two Cents, my recap on what I would describe as an interesting season so far. And I can probably expand on that in just a little bit. But it's been an interesting season um, so far for the Sounders. Next weekend, the team will be back in action at home to Vancouver. Exactly who will be out there personnel-wise to be determined. Depends on certain teams' progress at Copa America and also... The Gold Cup to see who's back, but regardless, there will be some key names missing. Also, on this podcast, a very nice um, little piece of interview for you guys. I was in London a couple months back and I got to sit down with the club's first ever DP signing, the Arsenal and Sweden legend Freddie Lundberg, a man who I don't think gets the credit he deserves for really being a key part of helping to launch this franchise and give it legitimacy from day one. And he had a fantastic first year. He was so good um, sharing the pitch of him in that first year. But we got to speak to Freddie Lundberg and his interview is timely because he's just been promoted at Arsenal, my boyhood club, a club where he's a legend. And Lundberg is now the assistant coach to Unai Emery. So he'll be working with the first team. He spent a few years in the academy and also working with the reserve team, the under-23s, last season. He did a great job, and now he'll be working as an assistant coach in the Premier League. Amazing for Freddie Lundberg. So we'll talk to him about his coaching career, um, and what he's been up to. We haven't seen him for, what, nine, ten years? So let's just catch up with Freddie Lundberg. That'll be coming up much later. But right now, with no more delay, the season, the sound of season, at the end, I'll give it a grade, Um. Once I figure out exactly what grade I should give, but listen, I, I, maybe I mean maybe I'm a bit harsh. I don't know, but I have such high expectations for what this team can accomplish. Firstly, because of the coach, so I'll start. I'll start from the top. I think Seattle Sounders is very, very fortunate to have the coach and coaching staff that they do. So. Forget the whole, you know, Brian Schmetzer as a Sounders guy through and through. You know, sometimes if you've been a legend at a club or you've been connected to a club for a long time, it doesn't mean nothing. Like, you know, you've got to coach the team you have. You can be an outsider, come in and do an incredible job. So that's not why I'm happy to have Brian Schmetzer here. I'm happy to have Brian Schmetzer here because he's a pretty good coach. He thinks the game, he's good tactically, he's a players' coach. That probably helps, you know, the fact that he was an assistant and did such a great job um, assisting Ziggy years and building strong bonds and relationships with players. And now he's transitioning to a head coach and kind of still kept those bonds going. And he makes tough decisions, as we've seen, and he gets results. You know, he's won an MLS Cup, which is great, but... You know, I think it's like from last August or last September until now, the team's record is outstanding. It's exceptional. So you've got a good coach. Then the coaching staff, Gonzalo Pineda, established legend. People forget about Preki, probably the best indoor player that I've ever seen. But also is a head coach material. Jimmy Trory, Mr. Champions League, need I say more? Tom Dutra, look at the goalkeepers he's worked with and helped to produce. And then you go, you know, down to the players the team has. Who's better than Nico Lodero? Like, really? Like, is there anyone you could say, I would take at number 10 above Nico? You can have preference, like people's style, but in terms of production, in terms of making the team better, making the team tick, making the team go, being just an incredible player, an incredible teammate, that's the guy you want to be your leader and the face of your franchise. You know. Then you have Raul and Victor Rodriguez and Christian Rodan and Jordan Morrison. You start going through some of these names, you say it's a very good team. So that's why my expectations are high. That's why. With that said, the start of the season, Cincinnati 4-1. Colorado 2-0. Chicago 4-2 win. I'll even include the 0-0 draw up in Vancouver. Those four games, I saw an exceptional team dominate the ball Control possession, clear identity—something that this club hasn't always had. To be honest, a clear playing identity where this is exactly what we're going to do, game in, game out, home or away, up one goal, down one goal—we don't change. I saw that in those games. Vancouver defended outside the 18-yard box for 89 minutes. They only came out of the shell in the last minute and probably should have won it. Apart from the great Kim ki block that was given a penalty and then overturned because of VAR. Um, over—I don't know what's the way to say it, but. It was such a great performance, dominating arrival on the road. So we saw that. And then, you know, you had a Salt Lake game, 1-0 win, Toronto, 3-2 win. And I thought the team was okay. wasn't quite as dominating as always. And I would sit there and think, you know what? Nobody can be brilliant all the time. This can happen. We accept it. We understand it. Then came LAFC. And we saw the class of the league in that game. You know, that team showed why they're top, why they are currently running away with a supporter shield. It could change, but LAFC was great. The San Jose draw, disappointing. LAFC came here. That was a gutty performance. The 10 men didn't help, so it kind of ruined what the game could have been. The performance away to Minnesota was okay. The win against Houston at home, Houston was the better team, especially in that first half. They had clear chances. They couldn't finish. The win against Orlando here was, again, an okay performance. Philly away was... uh was, was, was a defensive job, went in there to get the point and did it. Kansas to the team, 45 minutes to wake up. Same with Dallas, took a while. Montreal wasn't that great. So you see the pattern. The last few games I've mentioned, I keep saying wasn't that great, was okay. I was okay, wasn't that great. The first four or five games was exceptional. So that's why it's been an interesting season. What can we attribute kind of the drop in form and to a degree, results in the second half of the first half. Injuries, yes. Suspension, yes. Retirements, you know, Chad Marshall retiring, sure. But I don't know if that's enough. I, don't, that's, I think the team still has quality, still has depth to an extent. One of the things we're excited about this year was the depth. So it's a question of guys being given opportunity and not taking it. I think it's a mixture and a combination, all of the above. I think at times guys have been given opportunities and haven't performed. At times, the guys you'd expect to see more from over a 90-minute span, you haven't seen it. I think there's been some games like Montreal that was a missed opportunity. Yes, Seattle was missing everybody, but so was Montreal. And I watched that game. I worked that game. I was in the booth watching it, and Montreal were nothing special. That was a game to be won, especially when Jovan Jones came on in that game and changed the game for the Sounders. I thought, well, this is the better team now. Montreal didn't have a Victor Rodriguez. Seattle did. Montreal didn't have a Will Bruin. I will take Will Bruin over Max Ruti in this league in terms of consistent goal scoring. They didn't have a Jovin Jones they could bring in off the bench. But they got it done. So it was it's a bit of questioning why that's happened. With that said, with that said, in a very, 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 very competitive Western conference table, Seattle's third. Same number of games played as, as the two LA teams. Galaxy haven't been that great. Seattle's two points behind them, but 11 behind LAFC. As should be, because LAFC has only lost one game. They hardly concede goals. They scored, seems like, two or three every game, especially at home. They've been the class of the league. But Seattle's right there in the mix, keeping Houston away, Dallas away. Minnesota's asking questions. You've got to expect Salt Lake to pick up at some point. Portland's definitely going to climb up the table with all these home games they're going to have. So you've got to be happy being third in the table at this point, knowing that you're a team who's shown you can go on runs. I'll take this first half of the season over the last three years combined, those first halves. Oh, those days were miserable. I used to come up here every April, every May and have to put on an incredible performance on this podcast to convince you that the sky wasn't falling. I could have won an Oscar, honestly, because I had to convince you that it's okay. We're going to be okay when we were like 1-12-2 or something and scored two goals in 12 games. And, you know, it's not that. So it's been great, but the standards, expectations at this club from ownership down, it's always been high. Always want to be the class of the league, one of the best teams, put a good on-field product. That's always been the way of this club, always, since day one. I was a part of it in those locker rooms, now on the outside. I understand that this is the way, the Seattle Sounders way. You don't want to waste seasons, waste games. You want to go into every game trying to win, trying to be the better team. So from that perspective, okay, the team's falling short a little bit right now, but compare it to previous First half, has actually been pretty good. And I have confidence that they can go on another incredible run. The last you know, 17, 18 games, it's a team that can win 10 games. It's a team that can win 11 games, 12 games, and really ask questions of LAFC. I want to see the Seattle Sounders fight for the Shield. Absolutely. And then in that four-week competition called MLS playoffs where we reward a champion, of course, Seattle has a chance. But the Shield now put together a consistent 34-game season. Would be good to see from the Sounders. So I have hope. Nico is going to find his very best form. He's been good. He can even get better. Christian has been very good. Christian Rodan, he can get better. Jordan is going to hit the ground running when he comes back from the Gold Cup, stays injury-free. He'll find his form even more and get better. Victor is going to be healthy and get better. Raul's going to score in every other game, if not every game. So the ingredients are there. Before I go, what's missing? Need to re- replace a centre-back. If not a starting-caliber centre-back, someone to make it four. So you have Kim Kihi, um Ariaga and Roman Torres. Three, I don't think, can carry you all the way. Does Roman stay fit for the whole year? Can he play two games in a week for the rest of the year with his condensed schedule? I don't know. Is Ariago ready? Does he need time? I don't know. So Kim Jo, sure thing. You need one more guy to rotate. I don't know if Campbell is the answer. I don't know if Saad is the answer. They could be. I would love for them to be. I think you need one more. And you're going to need some help offensively. Dynamic winger, maybe, but maybe even a striker. Someone who you, you know can come in and score five to eight goals in the second half of the season. That may help as well. Grade B-. minus. B minus, B minus, borderline C plus, because it's been good but haven't got close to what we saw in the first five games. And there's many reasons why, as we've discussed, but it can get better, because the standards are so high. All right, love to hear what you think, what your grades are, am I right, am I wrong? Am I being harsh, am I being lenient? Maybe, I'm sure it's gonna be all of the above because in social media you never write. So that's okay. Stay tuned right after the break. The one, the only, Calvin Klein model, Arsenal assistant manager, Frederick Looker. Off goes Jungberg! He's done the trick again!
0: scores for the fourth Premiership game in a row at such a vital time in the season.
1: All right, so back in January and February, I did a cross-Europe tour. We met with Freddie Montero, Deandre Yedlin, Michael Sperning. had an incredible experience. And the first guy we sat down with moments after landing at Heathrow Airport at the Arsenal training ground. Out there in Hertfordshire was Freddie Lundberg. Freddie, of course, is an all-time Arsenal legend, Swedish legend, played in World Cups, part of the Invincibles. The Arsenal team that went unbeaten in the EPL hasn't been done since or before in the EPL era. We sat down with Freddie Lundberg, who doesn't give many interviews these days. He's really, really keeping a low profile but we spoke with him exclusively on the Once A Sounder series. You can catch the video version of this on the Soundless website and social medias, all the interviews we've done. But this one right here was with Freddie Lundberg. Enjoy. All right, let's try this. Freddie, man, it's so good to see you. It's been so long. I'm happy to see you. Um, You look well. So I just want to first ask, uh, how much are you enjoying this new phase for yourself, coaching? Ah. Uh, Try to yeah no I love doing what I do that's why I'm doing it and uh,
0: nothing of course I love playing football but if you take that away then nothing nicer than you can teach or help a player or something that makes his career better and you can see that in his eyes when uh, when it works for him and uh,
1: yeah it's a really really nice feeling. And then walking around this training center everywhere there's Lundberg pictures you're one of like the club's legends. Um, you think it was always a case that even when you left here in 2006, 2007, you would one day end up back here? Does it feel like you're back home or no?
0: Yeah, no, it feels like home. I had loads of opportunities to leave this club, to go to other clubs in Europe and in my prime. And I stayed because I love the club. I love the values that we have. It means a lot. So uh, then if I would come back or not, I worked as an ambassador for many, many years when I came back and then coaching. And then I'm uh, back here doing that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I remember this. You might not, but I told you. I told you this before. In '98, I believe if I'm correct. You made your debut against Man U, and I was in the stands in the north end at the at Highbury, the old stadium. And you came in when you made that debut and you scored against Man U. Could you have imagined at that point that you're going to go to accomplish what you did for the club, all the leagues, the FA Cups, the Invincibles, all the goals you scored? Ah, uh, of course. Like you never know in any walk
0: of life what the future holds, and. Uh of course, as a young player, you you, you, you hope and you think you're going to have a good career. Yeah. So of course you couldn't uh, imagine what will happen. And of course that was not. But I came to Arsenal to win things. That was the my main goal why I picked uh, this club. There was another club that was champion another um, European league that I should meet the day after. I met Arsenal when I yeah. signed here. And for me, winning is everything. And uh, so, of course, like, I couldn't say it, oh, yeah, I assume this and that, but it's important to win. So, I hope that would win. At least. Yeah.
1: <laughs> for the American viewers, Seattle Sounders, they saw you play there. Um, in 2009, this team enters MLS, they have to do something really big. And then they go and sign Freddie Lundberg. And you come there to America. What was behind your decision to come there? Because I'm sure there were still many options at that point for yourself. Uh, yeah, there was. And a lot of people in Europe so it was crazy yeah. to go to MLS. Um, I think
0: I was at the stage of my life, and I have spoken to this for a long time, but I had was quite a lot of uh, attentions and stuff in England, and um, I felt that I stopped trusting people and became a bit of a recluse. So I said, I need to make a change in my life because I'm quite a sociable human being and I, I like my life. So I said, no that's it and I want to go somewhere where people maybe not uh, know me as well and uh, I can do something totally different in that way of my private life and stuff and uh, I went to Seattle and uh, I liked what I saw, I liked uh,
1: the city and uh, I had an amazing time. Did you feel pressure being the face of the club, a brand new club with all these young players like myself who were your teammates, did you feel pressure or for you was it just a fun new experience? No, I mean, football, there should be pressure, otherwise you shouldn't play football. Uh, But
0: at the same time, of course, I felt it was a, how do you say, it was a brand new team. I think nobody's ever made uh, the playoffs playoffs and new and and won the cup. So so I felt everything was, even if they said they wanted to do it, there was all the possibilities and maybe that's me as a human being. I was like, no, we'll we'll show the American public that uh, We can do this, and um, I thought that was
1: amazing. What memories do you have, like, kind of from Seattle? You mentioned there the Open Cup, I remember that. Um, I think you had the shot that came for a rebound from Montero, if I remember correctly. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any memories from that? Just the fans, anything kind of from your time in Seattle? I have
0: a lot of great memories, Uh, great teammates, I must say. I had a great time when I was there. The fans in the stadium, we had a full house all the time, so you compare that with anywhere else in America, you couldn't. That was one thing that I really, really liked because it felt a little bit like I was in Europe. Sometimes I felt that was difficult when you played away. Sometimes a few stadiums, there was no people, and I've never experienced that since I was like 15 years old, so that was hard. Um, But the warmth of the city, the people, I became friendly with some of the people in in the Seahawks, and... Everybody, what I try to explain to people here is like how nice people were and, and friendly and maybe, yeah, different to what I was used to. And uh, I remember we had once, a we did a, I don't remember, we did a Halloween party at my gonna, house. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, and uh, No, but I asked like, oh, maybe it just should be the boys because I'm used to here, like you can't, but it's like totally different environment. So um, that was great.
1: <laughs> I remember that, that was really great. Um, obviously people that know me here from London, I grew up in London, and they say, you know, you played in Seattle, you played with Freddie Lundberg, we know Freddie Lundberg. They said, what was he like to play with? And I told him in that first year, this is my opinion, and I've said this even when you're not there behind your back, um, we don't make the playoffs without you. You remember this, maybe. There was a game in Kansas, I think it was maybe 1-0 down or 2-0 down, and you took the team on your back, you had two or three assists, and we ended up winning the game 3-2, we made the playoffs. You won in Seattle long enough, but do you think... That when you look back, you feel that you played such a. You feel like you played an important role in launching that team successfully because Seattle, ten years on, is still going strong. But I think without players like yourself in the beginning, maybe what we have now isn't there. But do you feel you get the credit for that, or do you feel as if you played
0: your role? I always. That's up to other people to judge. I don't talk about myself what I've done in my life. But of course, that's nice to hear what you said. It makes me makes me happy. (laughs) Uh, But of course, that's. I tried to help as much as I could and um, I love my time there, Um, so if people said I made an
1: impact or I tried to help the team, what you said makes me happy and proud. So, Thank you. I'll be honest with this part, if someone said to me in 2009, 2010, you know, what's Freddie going to be doing in a few years, I wouldn't have said coach, I would have said maybe open a restaurant, continue modelling, I don't know, whatever you were doing, but you're a coach. So was this always in your plan, or how did you get an interest into actually becoming a coach and now dedicating your life to it? No, it's not my plan. So you're I, I didn't think so. <laughs> <man>.
0: <laughs> I liked my life. Um, no, how it did it start? Was like I think when yourself when you retire, so you you dream. At least me, I dreamt about oh, I can do whatever I want. Nobody's gonna tell me when I wake up. I can don't have to run when I don't want to run. All that kind of stuff you're dreaming about for like twenty years, and then. When it happens and you have nothing to do for a year or two, you're like, what's the point? Yeah. I can only play this much golf and I can only like just sit at home, like it's boring. So I then got some other coaches and stuff, if I should coach. And then I asked some of my national team, Arsene, and some, what do you think about me being coached? Or do you think it's just a stupid idea? And they were like, no, we think you can be really good at it. So we would like you to do it. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So then I, uh, I started with Arsenal's 15s, then 16s, then the 19s. Then I was assistant in the Bundesliga with Wolfsburg, and then now I'm back here for this. So It's been a journey and you try to get better and better every day. It's a bit like football when you played. And, um, but it it's, uh,
1: sounds bad, but it's hard work, different to be a player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember, if you think about coaching now, in games, you were very hard on us because you want stand standards very high. You hated it when we passed you the ball and it bubbled a little bit. You would say, pass it again. Or in a game, if one of us lost the ball, you go, that can't happen. So as a coach, what's Freddie Lundberg, the coach, like? Is it a little bit of Arsene Wenger or are you more vocal? Or are you like, What's your style as a coach?
0: I try to take in from um, different coaches. But, yeah, like that's who I am. I I like to win just from what I'm built. and I think from Arsenal, I do apologise, but I, that was what I was taught. that Always how do you say like we're honest with each other so if we holding people accountable if the pass is bad the same for myself if I put a bubbly pass or it's behind you this and that's not good enough for me so you, if you want to get better you have to be honest with each other and strive for something I think I'm probably same as a, as a coach um, I try to when we work it's only that that's acceptable if you slack off and stuff I don't I don't I do say it's not about me, it's about that player. I want him to have a a success. And if he comes up to the first team or he wants to go really high up, that's not acceptable. So me, it's important I put the standards for him. That this, If you want to make it, this is the standards you need to work on. And so that I try to do. But then at the same time, I try to be approachable and I treat my players, I hope they think so, as human beings. Because what I felt sometimes was coaches... Being up here, being the, the master, and if you would almost have to ask permission to talk to them and you felt that wasn't nice. So I tried to find that balance of, I'm still that coach, but if they need me and they should be able to talk
1: to me. But does the fact that you're Freddie Lundberg help you get your message across? When you're telling them, if you do this, you can go really high. They're looking at you, someone who went high. Does that help the weight of your message? Maybe a little bit
0: sometimes if they don't really believe like gives it maybe a little bit more weight that I can say that I know that's what it takes. If you want to train with Arsenal first team, I know this and this and it has to be done. And until that, so of course that gives me a bit of weight. But at the same time, I hope that us showing in training that it actually works. And then when I do it in the game, they say, oh, we'd never beaten that team before. And we now play them off the park because we did this and that. Hopefully I give them um, belief in what we're doing and then hopefully that I play,
1: it shouldn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, I want to ask you this, is obviously when you played here at Arsenal, especially you mentioned you were so much in the limelight, you know, always. Now in Seattle, you've been gone for many years, people in the States. What's your life like now? What's When you're not coaching off the pitch, what are you up to these days? What are you into? What's going on off the, off the pitch? So... Um
0: I think you know, but I don't yeah. really care about the limelight. It was yes. something that came unfortunately That's surprising that
1: surprised me actually when I met you. That yeah. you were yeah, I was like well in England, you know, we grew up here reading the paper and it's like you see Lomberg and then I met you and it's like, that's not the person in the paper. Like this guy is very different to that. Yeah, I remember talking to you about that. Yeah, and it's it's just who I am. Yeah. And for
0: me the limelight came as a negative from playing football, playing good football. But that's how it is and I'm part of life. So now I'm you're one of the few people that have this year I've done one more interview, apart from you guys, because that you. I try to uh, stay away. And I'm quite happy with that and um, I now have, uh, I don't talk about my family, but I have two children yeah. and for me it's football and my two children to play football with them or play with them in the garden, that's what's important to me and um, I try to do a good job in football. but. You probably average eleven-hour days, so there's not much uh,
1: else going on uh, yeah. than those two things. Yeah. Sorry, I'm boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's normal. And I've got asked for people in Seattle. One day we have to get you back to Seattle, I believe, to attend the game. You think that's a possibility or no? Yeah. <laughs> uh so, no, I've spoken to sometimes
0: with Chris and, and them. Like it would be nice to come yeah. back. Okay. Um, I, I, we we had planned to stay a lot, lot longer in Seattle because yeah. me and my girlfriend at the time we, uh, we loved it. I think it's an amazing city and how it is, so we would love to come back, but it's as well like, sorry to say how much I work, <laughs> and we don't get days off, and so it's if we can work one day, but uh, I would love to come and see again.
1: Freddie, absolute pleasure man. No, no, no. My pleasure. pleasure my Good pleasure. see you my friend. Thanks again to Freddie Lumber for taking the time doing that. Um, I actually hope to catch an Arsenal game when I'm home again in August. Um, It would be great to see him on the sideline. I never would have guessed Freddie would be a coach, never. I don't think anyone in our dressing room would have guessed that, but here we are. All right, no game this weekend, so no scouting report, but let's still do three things we can focus on for the second half of the season when it re-kicks off. Number one. The first thing the Sounders will need to make the second half of the season a success is goals, goals, goals. Raul needs more help because I know he's going to score his goals, but with Wolverine's status kind of up in the air, then is it on Garth and Brian Schmetzer and Chris Henderson to go out and get another striker? I would think yes. Regardless of that, you know, Victor Rodriguez needs to be an 8-10 to goal a season guy. He can't be a 2-3 to goal a season. Needs to be more goal-dangerous. Nico will get his from set pieces, penalties, and a couple through the round of play. Christian, you know, I've always challenged to get 10 goals. He's so talented, you know, and it don't have to be goal of the week, goal of the year candidates, but he can get 10 goals without question. He has so much talent that he can be in and amongst the goals. Jordan can get into double digits. So those, if those guys do those things, get to the marks that their talent should be able to get them to, eight goals, 10 goals, 12 goals, For Jordan, Nico, Christian, Raul's going to get his 15 or 16, provided he stays fit. Goals win games. Defensively, keep clean sheets, of course, but I think that's where the Sounders need to focus. Find ways to score goals. LAFC right now are just outscoring teams. And because they have the ball so much, they don't concede much. They're good defensively, don't get me wrong, but what scares people playing against them is how they can hurt you when they're attacking. The Sounders have... The potential to do the same, to just blow teams out of the water, score goals. That's number one. Number two, the Chad Marshall-shaped hole on this squad needs to be filled. Now, is that with a signing or is that a collective effort? I think it will have to be a collective effort because you're not going to go anywhere in the summer and find Chad Marshall on the transfer market. They don't exist so you have to fill it with Kim Ki-hee, Roman Torres, Ariaga, Campbell, Saad. That whole combination, I've got to pick up the slack Chad left behind. And not just defensively, reading of the game, the man marking when needed, winning every single head on a goal kick, corner kick, throwing, the leadership free style of play. Not just that. The offensive threat too. Attacking set pieces. Scoring goals in the opposition's box. Chad would score like three or four goals a year sometimes. It always seems to get his head on the corner kicks. And free kicks from wide areas. Must fill the Chad Marshall hole. And number three. Consistency. The hardest thing in sports, all of sports, collectively, individually, is to be good all the time. It's hard. You were good on Monday, no problem. Can you be good on Tuesday? All right, you were great on Tuesday, no problem. you got to be great on Wednesday, and that's the way sports goes. You're only as good as your last game. The reason we throw praise on Messi and Ronaldo, because they've been good for 10 years, 50 goals a year for 10 years. We haven't seen this before. The Golden State Warriors, which I'm so, so, so sad about, but Five straight NBA finals. LeBron James went to eight straight NBA finals. Consistency in sports is so rare, you reward it. In a season like MLS, which the Sounders have shown, if you're consistent week in, week out, you will shoot up that table like nobody's business. 18 games, 17 games, whatever remains for the Sounders. Let's give two or three bad games. Those can happen. The other 14 15, can you be at your very best or close to? That's the challenge to the team. Can you win 10 of 14? 3 0, 2 0. Just step onto the pitch feeling like you're already 1 0. We've been there before the end of last season, the start of this season, where you just knew the team's going to score. It seems like every attack, something's going to happen. Let's not have good this Saturday. Bad in midweek, bad the following weekend, and then great in the next midweek. Good, 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 bad. Good, good, great, 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 bad. That's okay. Consistency. And for that to happen, your very best players have to be at their very best level more often than not. Something that hasn't happened in the last six weeks. Goals, fill the Chad Marshall hole, and consistency And it's going to be a second half of the season to remember yet again. All right, we'll be back next week previewing Seattle Sounders against Vancouver Whitecaps. We don't know who's going to be playing. Let's keep an eye on Copa America and the Gold Cup. Hopefully some of the troops will be back and we can finally get some semblance of our squad back and pick up three points and really kickstart this season again. So tune in next week. We'll be here previewing that game for you as always. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Zakwani and this has been Winging it with Zakwani and go US Women's National Team playing great right now.